Hello and welcome to Reflections with Raja, a podcast about finding purpose, storytelling, and navigating life. My name is Raja Butter and I use they, them pronouns. Join me on this weekly journey as I talk to incredible people living thoughtfully every day. I'm so, so excited about my guest today, actor, teacher, artist, producer, director, Napoleon Tavale. We connected a couple of months ago through East West Players as part of their East West uh, Players EWP Wednesdays, uh, where we actually had a, a panel of artists talking about race in the arts. And I was just really impressed with Napoleon and the work that he is doing uh, and the way he is engaging in this work. So I'm really excited to, to have you here. And the more I learn about Napoleon, I'm just excited that there's a, a rising star in the work that we're doing. So welcome to the show, Napoleon. How are you today? I'm good. I'm healthy. Thank you for having me, Raja. Wonderful. I'm. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, being willing to share your story today. Um, you, so there's so many things we can talk about. So let's just get started. What's your story, Napoleon? My story. Um, I was born in American Samoa, which is in the South Pacific. It's a territory of the United States and moved when I was very young to the States. If you're living on an island, all the islanders call the 48 states connected as the, the mainland. Mm. Well, I moved to the mainland with my folks in Northern California. I was two years old. And then we moved to uh, the great island of Minnesota where it's freezing cold. It was quite <laughs> a move for, for my parents. And um, I've been raised in Minnesota. Um, my education is in Minnesota. And then my college education is in California at Whittier College. And my master's in fine arts and acting is at the University of Virginia. So that's my educational story. And in Los Angeles, I was living there for nine years. And currently, I'm now quarantining and potentially living here in Minnesota again with my folks at Full Circle. That's my story. Yeah, seems like a, a lot of different important milestones in there. So I know there's quite a big uh, Samoan population in Minnesota. What brought your parents there? Um, thank you for the authentic pronunciation. It is uh, Samoan with the, the long A. It, most folks go with the Samoan sure. from the cookies, the Girl Scout cookies, Samoas. My parents, um, they had me at a very young age in American Samoa. And they, I, I should note as well that <clears throat> my folks, they had me at a time where uh, they were pregnant with me. Mom was pregnant with me before she got married. So in on the islands, it's there's a lot of uh, religion that goes on in the island. And so they dealt with some difficulties, mm. right, in, in having a kid and they're not married and they were in their 20s. And the... Um, Spoiler alert, I'm here. So they made a good decision. Um, I have to to mention that because it's something that my parents, it took me years for them to talk to me about, that coming into this world, there were family members for them that um, shared with them that it may not be a a good choice to have me in the first place. So when they told me that, I look at it as, so, so there was people that were helping them in the sense of taking care of them. They but it, you can't help but, but think, oh, I, I think I was unwanted as, as a young child, right? As, as, a, as a womb in, in, my, you know, in my mother's stomach. But I, I, I really credit my parents at a young age, the idea of their faith and their spirituality, it, it brought discrimination, but it also brought 
their belief to have their first child. And so my parents had me, um, I'm an eighties baby and they decided there's a lot going on on the Island, but not enough to raise a family. So then they had some, uh, relatives in the mainland, um, doing business here, seeking opportunity. And, uh, my uncle was running a Polynesian entertainment dance business in Minnesota. Hmm. And my uncle told, told mom, well, if you, if you want to come and live out here, you, you can, and you can raise your family here. But the one thing is it's, it's really cold. Well, but they didn't, my parents didn't bat an eye at that. They said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come out there and, and we don't know anybody, but we'll, we'll take a chance because uh, honestly, I think they were looking to start in a new place, mm. someplace fresh and to start their family on their own. And I really, I really credit them for that. And with that, that's, that's where they made the move from American Samoa to Minnesota. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that I know just from some of the friends that I have that are also of Samoan background is just the importance of family and religion and tradition and the arts are just being so intertwined with each other. Um, is that kind of where your own passion for storytelling comes from? Absolutely, Raja. It, on the island, in the Polynesian, now Polynesia is many islands in mm. Pacific. Hawaii is our sister island, New Zealand, Fiji, um, Tonga. And, and I want to say this for our listeners, because you might hear the word Polynesian and you might think, well, well, I've heard that word, but I don't know what it means. I go to teriyaki chicken and luau's and it's not, there's many different islands within the Polynesian community. But one thing for sure, that's a stagnant and, and a constant is that the, the entire community of islands is very deep into storytelling. It's, it's a story about uh, culture. So we express it through music, through dance. And um, it's a big part of how I started with storytelling, because my first thing I remember as a kid is is being sit, sitting in circles with my family at night and, and praying together and and praying in, in the Samoan language. That's how I learned the language and mm. singing these songs. And it's dark and all you're, you're only going off of each other. And, and a lot of those times as a young kid, I didn't know the words to the music they were singing. But when you hear them in that manner, year after year, holiday after holiday, I was able to learn the language and the music through that uh, community, right? Through that community of, of sharing your voices, of sharing your spirit. And so that's the beginning of storytelling for me is we're all sitting around in a circle, being grateful and thankful and praying in the language itself. My parents were big on in the house, we speak Samoan. And then when you go outside of the house to school and your communities outside, you can speak English. That, that was a very hard decision on their end, but they, they did the best with it so that they can maintain the culture of, uh, uh, of being Samoan in the States. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think the, 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 as having immigrant parents and being an immigrant myself, I, that totally relates and really similar uh, experience around the importance of preserving and maintaining, but also growing and interpreting culture in this new context and new land that we have been kind of plopped into, right? So that makes sense. Um, what would you say is your gift to the world, Napoleon? Uh, this is a good transition, good segue, because it's, I believe for myself as a teacher, it is absolutely 100% storytelling. And my education in the theater arts, it's to, I think, honestly, all of us, we have stories that we love to hear, 
but we also have stories that we love to tell. And as a teacher, starting from a young kid, when my parents taught me that our stories are going to be told through these dances, and this is how we educate the, the, the population outside of uh, you know, non-islanders to let them know this is where we come from, this is what we believe in. And I, I really believe that's why I became a storyteller through performance, through acting, through writing, through directing and producing. And so my gift is to teach the youth. And, and I love that in Los Angeles, uh, you know, we're currently on a hold right now, but I was teaching at the community centers. I was teaching at recreation centers. And these, these children, they don't have a drama program at their schools. They don't know what acting is besides watching superhero movies on screen. And I would also teach the senior citizens acting as well. So I went from a, the classes in the morning would be young kids from ages five to 12. And then later in the afternoon would be 50 years old and up. And so I, I really, during my time in Los Angeles, and I'll continue it here virtually and uh, hopefully in the near future in person, is to be able to help people form a, a storytelling format for them, right? To help them tell their story through music, through dance, through conversations, pretty much what you're doing, Roger, right now, and having real conversations and mapping out how, if there's a story you want to tell, if there's an audience of one or a million, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's an audience. It's somebody watching you. It's somebody sitting there and listening to you. And uh, I really want to share that gift with the world and in teaching that, because that's something that I don't think it's um, I don't think it's quite taught in a very specific manner in our education. I think it's all built in into, OK, if you're a performer, then you go here. Right. Or if you're um, an athlete, you go here, you go to these departments. And so I think the idea of storytelling is for everybody. And I, mm -hmm. I really believe that my gift is to help each person that comes within the circle of communities that I am in help them tell that. And it and honestly could be nonverbal. I'm an athlete as well. I, I play a lot of pickup basketball. I'm not doing it now due to the pandemic. But um, I also find my communities there in, in speaking with, with uh, the communities of, uh, of sports, right? That's also storytelling um, in movement and in, um, in, in a sense of, of, of teamwork. And, and that's what I really enjoy. That's what keeps me on my toes. That's what keeps me learning, is learning from others as well, the way they tell their stories. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I love that. And I think you know, it, it hits on so many points that are important to me too. In when I was thinking about starting this podcast was because I also believe just the power of storytelling is such an important part of the healing process for so many of us and definitely for me. Um, and also, you know, it, it's almost antithetical to the Western practice of writing things down because I think so much of my my stories that I got from my family were all oral traditions and practices and rituals and, and recipes and, and the ways you do things. And so I think storytelling um, is such an important human experience around connection. And particularly now, like you said, we are in this pandemic and with no real end in sight. And so storytelling in some ways becomes even more important to upholding cultures and creating community and, and preserving and promoting healing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I love the way you talked about teaching and even just the, the 
developing the different contexts and that we all have the ability to tell stories with the, you know, it's the fine time, fine tuning the, the practice and, and the process so that people can actually, you people can hear what you're trying to say. Yes. And Raja, you, you brought up, you bring up good points here because it reminds me of, of the approach of teaching a child, right? We all have children in our lives, whether we're related to them or we see them on the streets. But the, the fundamental teaching of a child from an adult to a child, it, it helps me get in touch with when I was a kid, right? The sense of play, the sense of, of there's not a worry in the world for those kids. Right? Mm. It's all about, I'm going to tell you this story unfiltered. I'm going to, I'm going to scream my head off. I'm going to run around and there's no trouble. There's nothing wrong with it. And really these kids as as troubling as it can be sometimes in terms of getting all the kids to, to calm down, I leave that classroom. And, and I remember that the way that these kids are telling their stories reminds me of how I should tell it. I should remember the fundamentals of being a kid. And I grew up and I grew up in a, and, and I can say this in terms of my childhood. My childhood was a very happy, there was a lot of happy moments. There was a lot of difficult moments. My family came from low, in, uh, low income. Uh, my family is, is, is a low income family. When we first came out to Minnesota, we didn't have much money, but we were rich in love, right? We were rich in the community of, of, of sharing and really looking at what we already had, what mm. we already have. And so it, that's what's great about children. And I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have children myself, but I feel like when I go and see these kids playing, it reminds me of why I got into storytelling in the first place. Really, it reminds me of how much freedom you can have by uh, enjoying the, the, the camaraderie, the, the collaboration of, of talking to one another and conversing with one another and having a sense of, of play. It's why we call it a play in theater. It's that's what we're doing up there on that stage. We're, we're all playing. Yeah. I love that. I love the ability to just kind of embrace this childhoodness and this yeah. child childness of being able to play different roles and being able to actually explore really difficult and, and complex topics in ways that allow for us to be able to actually process them and think through them, whether it's through comedy or tragedy or some other, you know, whatever, whatever, piece it might be but I, I love the ability that it's it becomes a, a method for the storytelling itself but also the stage becomes a method for healing and processing and engaging and having important conversations absolutely absolutely i i just there's an actor his name is sam rockwell i don't know i don't know if you know who he is mm -hmm. but uh he said something great in an interview where he said actors are like drunk babies <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because it's we are up there as performers and storytellers and we're emoting. We're up mm -hmm. there on stage, we're up there on screen and we have to figure out the emotions of a character. And if you do that every day at work, you, you can get some people that have some, some different attitudes, right? Some different personalities. You can get a lot of mix of it. And so when he put that in that actors being drunk babies, he, he pretty much just put eight years of education for me in one single sentence. Cause you will find, that a lot of performers are their their job is to help find the emotions of characters and so you're going to find some real different personalities and that's that's being a child right mm -hmm. you're, you're a kid and um the adult life is is understanding 
what kid ways work and what kid ways don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the ability to kind of embrace almost even a kind of a true humanness beyond kind of all the ways that we are cultured after we are not children anymore. Right. Um, so tell me a little about um, in your work and, and the ways that you are a teacher, but even more so just think about the world that we're in right now. What's something that we can all do to make the world better? That's a good question, Raja. It's, it's such an important one to be asking um, right now. And I believe even what we're doing now is what's making the world better in terms of having conversations. I mean, you and I met virtually. Sure. <laughs> and even the idea of uh, meeting virtually is is something that we, in the communities that we were in with East West Players, that's what made our connection. And so I think for all of us, wherever you're at, uh, try and make a connection to something or somebody new. I think is always inviting. It's always something that we can work on every day. And it could be small and or big. Uh, I reached out a few months ago to friends of mine that I hadn't spoken to in years, mm. in years. And one of them, I can I can say that we had a falling out as, as a friendship. But I thought, you know what? There's all this time where I'm I'm sitting down and I'm thinking of all of the the friends that I'm missing back in Los Angeles. And this person was definitely a part of that journey. And so I reached out to them. They have a family now and they're healthy. And, and even that connection happened because of this pandemic. And something new is um, you. You are a new connection to me, right? And that happened during this pandemic. So I think what can make our world better right now is trying to really deeply make a connection to something or somebody new. Something could be, I mean, I'm doing yoga more right now, right? It's mm. that's something I did do before this, but it's something new that I'm making a practice. And a practice is something that you want to practice every day, every week, every month, whatever your schedule is, but to find and enjoy something new, something that you might have thought I would never do that thing. I would never talk to that person. Well, try and make a connection to them. There's there's some things that you may heavily disagree on. But there probably is one thing you agree on, and and making that connection is is one step at a time for a better world. Yeah, I so appreciate that. I think it makes me think about um, what I've been reflecting on lately is that you know social media was in some ways made us so much closer to people in our lives, and yet also we saw higher rates of people feeling more isolated and alone. Um, and yeah. now I think in in an, in a interestingly reverse experience the pandemic though we're physically apart uh and that social media is even more intense but also has made me realize who are the folks that i'm intentionally checking in with and and who am i also inviting into my life if whether we've we've crossed paths at some point or maybe lost you know co connection and who are the folks that i thought were going to be my ride or dies that we don't talk regularly and so just really has been making me at least reflect on huh that you know it's helping provide lots of clarity, I think, for, for at least me and a lot of the folks that I'm talking to about what are the relationships I want to foster and nurture and what are the relationships that are more um, circumstantial or episodic in our lives. Absolutely, Raja. And I, I should say specifically to make a connection with somebody where you, where you see them, uh, where you see their face, right, where you can speak to them on the phone, try and go for those 
um, mediums that are not used as much. Write a letter to them, right? Let's go telegram style. Let's go old school style. Sure. Make a connection through that way. I strongly believe that the social media connection you have to be very careful with um, because it's it's your brain, right? There's a lot of things that the brain will, once you do it, the brain will understand that that's the only way I can connect to that person. But try something new. Give them a call. Send them an email. Have a social distance meeting in your with your neighbor, right? Make sure it's all safe. Um, but really try and connect with people in the sense of where you actually see them or hear them on the phone or you write to them, try a new uh, form of connection. Yeah, I love that. So Napoleon, in all this work that you're doing and the work that you're engaged in, the, the exper- expertise and work that you're in- thinking about, what nourishes you? Nourishment. I During this time, I made a huge move out of Los Angeles. And it was a huge exodus out of there. And Mm -hmm. what I really enjoyed in Southern California, even though I say it now, but I didn't take advantage of, was was the weather, right? How warm it was. And it was nice to see. I I think psychologically, this might be something when you step outside of a place you've known that when you look back at it and you say, wow, there were some things that I didn't take advantage of. I didn't go to the beach as much as I should have. I didn't enjoy the the, the nature or, or the, the hikes as much. And now here in Minnesota, the past six months, that's what's been nourishing me. It's mm. being outside, going on a nice walk and doing it without any headphones, just you, just myself walking out there. And the, the land here of Minnesota is many lakes. It's known as the land of 10,000 lakes. So even sitting by a lake and, and, and being away from noise like your phone or television. It's been really nourishment for myself, for my health, and for my brain. Um, a good yoga meditative session is, is, is a nourishment to my body. Eating a healthy meal mindfully, understanding mm-hmm. that that meal itself, you eat it mindfully, it helps me understand that I'm, I'm grateful and thankful and blessed to have a meal. There are so many folks outside of this house that are having issues with a meal, uh, particularly those that are experiencing homelessness. They, they don't have a meal. And for the fact that I can sit down and have a healthy meal with my folks, it helps me understand that I'm, I'm, I'm privileged and I, and I live in a life where I'm being taken care of. And I pray for those people. That's also my nourishment is I pray for all of those that are, that are going through uh, such a difficult time in terms of not even having a hot meal or a place to lay their head. And so all of these things, it's, it's good nourishment to take care of myself and understand that what I have is enough. Hmm. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is this need for nature and reflection, gratitude and prayer. Yes, absolutely, Raja. And honestly, it was meant to be for me to be here in the Midwest because there's a lot of seasons going on. Right. There's 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 the fall and the autumn and the pretty leaves outside Mm -hmm. changing to orange and, and, and red and the crisp air and the rain. That's not something I did get in California. It there's one season in California and it's pretty much sunny and it's nice and it's warm. But growing up in the Midwest, I, that's what helped me understand the passing of time. Right? Mm. It's like, oh, this holiday is coming up. This I'm getting this day off from school and oh, it's moving into the holidays because it's getting colder and things like that. I, Again, from earlier, right? Those are 
great childhood memories that I had. And I hadn't had them in uh, the past, what, 15 or so years, because I've been in, in a state where there hasn't been much um, going on outside in, in the change of seasons. But it's nice to have that nourishment here. And it, it was the right time for me to, to have it here in Minnesota and be back with my folks. Yeah, I love that. That's great. So in the work that you're doing, I, I want to learn a little bit more about some of the artistic projects and, and what, yeah, what is on the horizon for you in, in terms of your work and kind of personal pur- purpose of storytelling? So right now, um, Raja, with me being in, in Minnesota, I'm still very well connected to my, my people over there at East West Players in Los Angeles. And mm. we got something in the new year with uh, me teaching virtually. It's going to be a new step. It's going to be something absolutely uh, new to my platform and for the students. But we're looking at um, something in the new year for teaching the drama kids at the middle school over there at Palms Middle School in Culver City. And that's what's on the horizon with with East West players. In terms of the acting career, uh, a lot of what's going on in in our industry, even with athletes, uh, they're they're choosing an option to say, "Hey, I'm not playing this year, right? I'm 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 opting out." And so this is a good time for me to really look within myself and develop my own projects. So I've I've been doing a lot of writing, and my writing is actually gone into the form of journaling. Mm. Again, something that I did when I was a kid, I did it in school, but more so now, that is a part of the writing process. You journaling out your feelings, you journaling out how you feel today or how what you look forward to, um, things that happened in your family, conversations that you had, that is a form of writing. So I've been doing a lot of that. And if there's any opportunities with acting, I am choosing to say no, because I'm still scared. This pandemic is a scary thing, and I'm, I'm choosing to opt out for, for small opportunities that may uh, bring me in in terms of, hey, would you like to come into audition in person, or would you like to, and I am wonderful and grateful for those people that are working out there, but me, myself, in terms of uh, where I'm at with my family, it, it has to be something huge, right? It's got to be an opportunity where I, I could never turn down. I could mm. think, wow, this is something big, and until then, I'm, I'm going to lay low for a little bit and uh, I'm staying up to I'm staying up to date with what's going on with the industry and so that's my education right now and also what's going on for me is a, a new school a new education where I'm following people that are reminding us about the country's history and recommending books and podcasts and documentaries that's what's going on for me right now I, I feel like I'm going to school again but the reality of of it is is our education never ends every day we can learn something absolutely new so in terms of my storytelling that's where i'm at right now i'm being a student and soon i'll be out there uh, teaching at east west players and every day for journaling and writing is is a new story to tell yeah i love that um i think it reminds me of the the brazilian philosopher Paulo Freire, who says, you know, in order to be a teacher, you have to be a learner. In order to be a learner, you have to be a teacher. And that those are interbeing identities, right? You, it, yeah. you have to embrace both. And so I love that, that the purpose of lifelong learning and uh, some humility that's involved as well. Yes. And, and for our alma mater, University of Virginia, you know that they don't call it uh, sophomore, freshman, junior. They, they call it by the year, year mm. one, year two, year three, year four. 
and so on, because it, it never, we never stop learning more than anything. This is the time to continue your learning in all, in all platforms, in all departments to continue to read. Reading is important. Continue to read and continue to take that in and, and, and don't stop. Yeah. So as you're on this journey, who inspires you and where do you get your inspiration? Inspiration. I have a constant inspiration. I've been speaking about them a lot, and that's my parents, mm. my mom, dad, and my brother, my younger brother, Ned. They are my constant inspiration. What I mean by constant is that every single day in everything that I do, I'm reminded by how much of a support, of how much of a backbone of how much they will always support me no matter what. And for my parents in particular, they were much younger than me at this age now when they had me. And they were also younger than me now when they lost both their parents. So I lost my grandparents on both sides by the age of six or seven. I really didn't get to know my grandparents. And so for my parents to be able to raise their two children um, with little to no money, moved to a brand new place where they didn't know anybody. It really, it really uplifts the spirit that they had in, in creating opportunities for their, their kids. And that to me is inspirational. It's helped me understood that the hardest, I think the hardest thing to do in this world is to be a parent, is to be a parent to a child, to be there for them and support them. And I should say a good parent, a supporting parent. Mm. It's, it's a very difficult job, but they do it with such joy, with such smile and, and such spirit and faith that it really has brought me here. And then for my younger brother, he owned a home at younger than 30. And that's, that's what's nice about being in the Midwest, right? You, you understand that you, if you make a good amount of money, you can, you can really take care of your family. Um, out on the West Coast, that's difficult in my industry because it's so expensive out there. And that's not brought to your attention, right? It's not brought to your attention that you can own a house. And so for my brother to do that at a young age and take care of his family, they are the biggest inspiration for me constantly um, every single day. That's beautiful. Thank you. I so appreciate the, the reflections and the, and the roots. Um, anything else you want to just talk about, Napoleon, that we haven't touched on? Um, well, in terms of my parents and my family being the inspiration, during this pandemic, there's been a lot of day-to-day, week-to-week inspiration for me, whether that's a podcast I'm listening to or somebody I'm watching on television that I feel is doing such good things out there that they inspire me as well. Um, a quote that I that I watched in a documentary, uh, it's a Padma Lakshmi's uh, Taste the Nation show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she had a, she had a guest on there that said, uh, do all things with and from love and kindness. And she was teaching children. The guest that she had on there was teaching children. And I just thought that's those words, love and kindness, is it's, it's got to be a mantra, right? It's got to be something that we're reminded of every single day. And um, I wanted to share that because that's my new practice in terms of how to approach the world and approach the things that are going on in the world to try and understand it with and from love and kindness. Yeah. Oh, such a good reminder as we do this work, as we continue to figure out our own personal sense of selves and evolutions of being and calling and our work, and also just navigating the fact that we're in multiple pandemics as a world. Um, 
Napoleon, thank you for being an important light in this work. Thank you for your wisdom, your journey, and your willingness to sit down with me today. Um, wishing you the best of luck in all the new adventures that are coming up ahead in your own learning process. Um, and for everyone else, feel free to check out the, the links below uh, in the bio to learn more about Napoleon Tavale. The song you heard today is called Begin by D. Yan Ki. Check out another episode of Reflection with Raja by going into any of the platforms listed below, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. The song you heard today is called Begin by D. Yan Ki. Go to rajabutter.com slash media to check out all the different platforms where you can access the podcast and learn more about Reflections with Raja and all of my guests.